can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why movies we missed So here's a story about J and B. Brandon has got it together. Jane is really so messy. She's got blonde hair, she'll swear it grew unnaturally and twist her arm and she'll lie like Casey Anthony. love comparing me to criminals. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my lovely co-host, Jane Casey Hammer. And we are <laughs> coming, coming, coming at you live from Radio City Music Hall. I can't believe that we've got this sold out audience tonight. We told you guys we were going <laughs> to do it. You know, you, you hate us because you ain't us, really. No, we're both just in in a squalor that we normally live in. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And dealing with, our a, own. with a little mini, like, vortex or polar vortex that's happening. Well, outside. it's not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is a polar vortex because that really has to do, I think, with the cold. It's just snowing a lot right now, and it was unexpected. We didn't know what was happening. Although, I will be honest and say that I almost never look at the weather, so I don't know. I, I wait for my wife, Tara, to tell me what the weather is going to be. Yes, yes, she does. She's an uninformed queen. Um, mm-hmm. How are you doing, though? Your hair looks great. You yourself, clocked yourself, <laughs> is giving us uh, Mrs. Garrett tease. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, right before um, we came on to record on this Zoom chat. I was finishing up some work and I put my hair in sort of like a messy bun on the top of my head and clipped it and I didn't look at myself and then I joined the Zoom chat and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I look like Mrs. Garrett. For those of you who don't know... Charlotte Ray. Charlotte Ray. Google her. You will see her iconic red bun. I have a blonde bun, but basically that's really the only difference between us. Um... She was the teacher, I think, on the show The Facts of Life. She was almost like the headmistress, kind of. Yeah, she like the she like lived at the dorm with the girls. Girls. Yeah, yeah. She took care. She took care of the girls, Mm -hmm. um, and she, you know, she ran things from touch. She was a house mother. Yes, and queer women will queer women will know Joe, who was um, a lot of, I would say a lot of young women's root back in the day. Um, oh my this, God, with her with her leather, <laughs> with her leather jackets that. Um, oh my God, her like tough no nonsense attitude, Nancy her McKeon. leather jacket, Nancy McKeon, her and her very heavy um, flirtation with Blair, the preppy oh, yeah. like rich girl, and I was like this show aired like when we were too young but i caught it like nick and night nick and night you all saw jane about to reveal too much and then she decided to do her (laughs) little backtrack she was was about to tell us about how she was a pa on the original production and then it turned real quick and uh, but i was a baby back then but I See. promise you, I am not a geriatric millennial. Um, actually, I like by definition am a geriatric. No, <laughs> no, you're you're close, but not quite. I'm not quite. That's right. That's right. My sister and her friends are geriatric millennials, so I just wanted to say that that my sister's older than me. Would T be a geriatric? <laughs> yeah, because T's old. Tara's older than my sister. Um, oh yeah, then yeah. Yeah. 
So just by a couple months. But um, actually just by one month. Actually, it's just like by a couple weeks. It doesn't matter. People do not care about this. I'm getting too specific. Anyways, how are you, Brandon? How was your week? Tell me everything about you. I'm doing good. You, I mean, you know most of it. I'm an open book, really. Um, <laughs> but we haven't talked. I've been out of town. We haven't talked. You had texted me about your glow up, but me seeing it in person <laughs> is like, it's completely different. You texted me. What'd you say? You said, look out for, <laughs> look out for your girl. You said, I'm on some dumb shit. Um... <laughs> You like you're talking about how you've been beating that face. Um, it's it's hard to recall because it was a voice memo that I sent you, and those disappear after two minutes. But it that's was that's true. You've never seen anything like it. Um, Beyonce is shaking and crying, and um, Rihanna who. Um, the girls are in a tizzy. I remember you mentioned that. Yeah, the girls are absolutely terrified of what I'm bringing to the table, and I can only be me, you know? You can only be you. You were really going into, you mentioned a couple of different people that you were like, she's scared. You were like, mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman doesn't know what to do with herself. Well, Olivia Coleman was, yeah, absolutely. She blocked me <laughs> on everything. And this and was definitely based on the way that I look and how <laughs> how hard I am. <laughs> <And my> skills. <laughs> I'm so sorry for the people who just heard that in their headphones. That call. I. <laughs> I love the world where Olivia Coleman hops on the gram and sees a photo of you housing housing what looks like faux? What was that? You oh, were- it was, yeah, we went to a Vietnamese place and had this, like, it was actually, it's not pho, but it was, like, a spicy, like, of soup that was pho like but I just yeah. love the idea of her hopping on opening up that story seeing you <laughs> housing that bowl of pho and then being like oh and then just blocking you on everything because she's like she's too stunning I simply can't have it exactly We're, she's giving us very much her character from what a girl wants um, <laughs> wait oh my god that not was not in- her what did you think oh, the, the woman who's the woman who Colin Firth is engaged to you Oh my god, what? <laughs> the things, the choices you make, the things in your head, I'll never understand them. <laughs> you thought that was a li- You didn't think that was a little I actually genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I wasn't even joking. In my mind, it was her. And um, <laughs> I'm sure they've both, I'm sure they've auditioned for many of the same parts, and uh, we know who's bested. Um, <laughs> we know who the favorite was. Well, the we know. Decided. <laughs> we know who got that statue. <laughs> for the favorite. That was the joke I was making. Oh, right, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are, um, we're here, and I gave Jane uh, <laughs> a movie to watch, and I'm sure um, our girl has some opinions about it. Yes, we watched a movie called The Ritz from 1976, and Brandon, I hope to God, you have a synopsis to read us. Oh, you better believe I do, Mama. Well, honey, it's time. It's time. If you got it, then read it, baby. All right. Let's do it. Carmine Vespucci and his sister Vivian find themselves at their elderly father's bedside. Before he dies, he makes one final plea. Get Proclo. I guess Proclo is his sworn mortal enemy or something. 
Oh, wait, it's actually his daughter Vivian's dope of a husband, Gaetano Proclo. Big Brother Carmine makes his father a promise that he will carry out his last wish, even if it means making his sister a widow. Soon, Gaetano Proclo finds himself on the run, far away from his Cleveland dwellings and the hit that's been put out on him by his blood-hungry brother-in-law, Carmine. Unable to get a flight out of town, Proclo asks his cab driver to take him to the last place Carmine would look for him. So, the taxi driver brings him to the Ritz, an adult bathhouse for a certain kind of gentleman that lets you rent rooms in 12-hour stints. You get what I mean by a certain kind of gentleman, right? You know, that uncle who's lived with his roommate Gary for the last 25 years in Boca? That uh, super fashionable mister who has a gal pal in Quebec that no one has ever actually set eyes on. Don't make me say it. You'll get it. He's fashionable, a great dancer, and if you cross a line, he'll read you like the Magna Carta. Still haven't figured it out? Ugh. He's the kind of guy who knows every word to Liza with a Z and understands that the Brandy and Monica feud is child's play compared to that beef between Bernadette Peters and Patti Lapone. He's the man about town who puts down his Cosmo and runs to the dance floor anytime he hears the words, It's Brittany, bitch. You still lost? Oh, dear. Uh, put the queer pieces together, like I instruct you to do in my gay self-help book. Put the queer pieces together. You still don't know what I mean? My goodness, this is more tedious than that Music Man revival. Anyway, the Ritz has everything. There are saunas, game rooms, and private quarters where men can be men. Just the kind of a place for a guy who's unlikely to take a wife. Proclo arrives in the dead of night, donning a cute little pussycat wig and an overzealous mustache. There's no way his vengeful brother-in-law will find him here. Oh, wait. It turns out that helpful cab driver that suggested this place is actually on Carmine's payroll and was instructed to bring Proclo here. We soon find out that Carmine's also hired a private dick named Michael Bricks to keep tabs on Proclo from the inside. That pussycat wig is doing its job, because Detective Michael Brick can't seem to locate Proclo, even though he's been right under his nose the whole damn time. Guess Carmine will have to do the dirty work himself. Once he arrives on the scene, anxious to find Proclo and kill him, we discover the real reason he wants Proclo dead is so he doesn't have to split the earnings from the family's waste management empire. Let's hope these two can make amends before someone meets their maker. Gaetano Proclo checked into the Ritz only a few hours ago. Now he's wondering if he'll leave by foot or in the back of a hearse. When they said the Vespucci family business made a killing, I don't think this is what they had in mind. <sighs> that was fantastic. You, I loved, 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 loved all the hints, the euphemistic hints about gay men. That was... Um, just super fun. Oh, I didn't mean gay. I'm so sorry. Did it seem like I was talking about gay men? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was what just talking about, like... Is um, this movie not about a gay bathhouse? What is it about, a, Brandon? Not at all. I don't know what gay means. Um, this movie... It's, it's, pronounced, it's pronounced like gay. No, I think you're confusing it with Indian cuisine, that clarified butter that they use. This is actually no, called... No, that... This is no that the, the that's spelled differently. It's G H E E. That's ghee. That's clarified butter. And then this is spelled G A Y, and it's pronounced ghee. 
<laughs> gay is pronounced gay, which is maybe the gayest way you pronounce gay. That's always, whenever I, you know, I always, any job interview, I always, before I even say anything, I say, by the way, you know I'm gay, right? <laughs> um, and not hiring me is discrimination. <laughs> g um, no, yeah, you you got me. It, I was I was describing. Mm, describing okay, I it. thought that might, I, I thought that might be. I that might it was be it. it was subtle, and the way that I sort mm-hmm. of I just wanted to put it in there between the lines. I wanted it all to be subtext. I didn't want anything to be on the surface. So I'm happy and you caught it. It was about as subtle as this movie. So you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Who you telling, Mama? <laughs> okay, a couple of questions. Okay. Well, I don't even know where the fuck to start because this movie is a hundred percent shenanigans. It's a and... lot of shenanigans. It, it's it's quite a bit of inappropriateness. Um, so much inappropriate. You okay? So everybody, just so we're clear, this movie is from. I couldn't find any stats on the box office. Um, yeah, it's been buried by big business. But um, this movie was released in 1976. So that gives you. We're dealing with a very different um, perspective of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure when they made it, they were like, "Oh my god! Like we're so progressive." Um, I know. Well, what I and they okay, were for the they, time. It absolutely was. I kept thinking, like, I cannot believe this was made in 1976. It's a. It, it was a play first, which makes so much sense after watching it. I was like, this is 100 percent a play, and in fact, probably was very like was wonderful to see on stage. I'm sure, super fun, and you can be a lot more progressive in the theater than you know you can in Hollywood usually. So I was surprised that they made this, but it was made in London, which is a pretty gay European city, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think that accounts for like some of like what they were able to get away with. And you're totally right when you think about like a lot of this probably in terms of like uh, a theater audience mm-hmm. knowing who the typical sort of clientele was, especially for theater in like the 1970s. Like, oh, absolutely, it situated like a very specific type of person. So I'm sure this that the theater was probably full of just like hooting and howling <laughs> um, as the as the play was unfolding. And there were probably plenty of people in the audience that uh, the bathhouse seemed familiar to. If you get my, <laughs> uh, they knew the premise. I wonder. They've been there. <laughs> I'm sure Liza was like, "Oh, I know that place very well. Me and Austin go there all the time." Well, when we're watching it, so you know, my wife Tara is a huge Bette Midler fan. Did you know Absolutely. that about her? I, I actually, and... you know what? I actually did not. I know. I, I think I did know that. I mean, I don't really associate she, people who she... aren't stands for Bette Midler, so. Right, exactly. So she knows a lot about Bit Midler. And when when the premise was unfolding, she was like, "Oh, so Rita Moreno is basically Bette Midler." And I was like, "What?" And she's like, "Yeah, Bette Midler used to like." Really, I had not made that connection. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was where her whole start came. Her, um, God, there was an interview with. It was an interview between Johnny Carson and Diane Carroll. It would have been like in the late seventies, and I watched Mm -hmm. it not too long ago. And Diane Carroll had performed this Barry Manilow song, "All the All the Wasted Time." I think is what it's called. Um, Getting ready to do a cabaret thing, but in the middle of the interview, they um, 
they have like this um this exchange where they start talking about bet and at the time it's like bet's like up and coming oh and my it's, god that's, and it's so, so funny crazy. listening to them talk about her because <clears throat> i think johnny carson's like you've been to you you've been to bet show right and, and diane's like oh i love her i love bet she's so she's so irreverent she's so fun she's so fabulous you know she's she's going places and then they're like and she's like and then diane carroll's like and you know what this song that i wrote it, the song that i performed it's actually written by um her accompanist who is a young gentleman who is you know who is really going to be rising up in the ranks? His name Manilow, Manilow, Barry Manilow. Mark my word, <laughs> he's going to be someone. And it's just like Barry Manilow, you know, giving you like young, like circuit gay, um, circa nineteen. Yeah, he is gay, isn't he, Barry Manilow? Yes. Although he okay. only came out like and in like the last recently, like, in the last like five years, I want to say. <clears throat> I mean, I didn't see, well, a, I his... didn't see a shocked face from anyone, but <laughs> no, it was sort of like right, of course. Good for uh, you. I mean, but he did have, yeah. I mean, great for him. I love. I mean, come out whenever you, feel whenever like you, need. you are ready to, and whenever it's the yeah. truth that you wanna you wanna share with the world. Exactly. Do it. Um, and, uh, you know, but he had all those songs. That, I mean, one of his most famous songs is Mandy, and it's, you know. Um, I remember all my life. Wow. I I only know the chorus. That's funny. It's a really pretty song. Sure. I was just like, I'm sure. I, it's not I'm, something that, like, I'm going to, like, throw on and, like, learn and know. During, um... One of the ways to know that I'm that I was a le homosexual um, when I was a child, I used to create like CDs, like Napster mixes and stuff, and I would pick mm-hmm. like themes. And one of my themes was like, um, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> one of my themes was like it was a, it was my my name, there. my like my name mixes, and okay. had, like Mandy was on there, Ben was on there. Uh, Sadie was on there. Um, oh, so song, not necessarily your name, oh, but like, songs no, like the names about of, names. No, 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 yeah. names of people, and I was really into it, but mm-hmm. I realized I said it out loud. That's what was going on with me as the boys were playing, you know, touch football. <laughs> Which I'm sure you would have enjoyed as well, a lot of touching. Whoa. Excuse me? <laughs> no. I mean... <laughs> no! <laughs> oh god, the disrespect on my own. Anyways, show. um <laughs> he says to me after episode after episode after episode of if comparing me to horrible criminals. Um we start out with Casey Anthony. There's <sighs> been I knew this was gonna happen. A campaign to <laughs> associate me with Jeffrey Epstein. Let me tell you. Delay. Let me tell you what Jane sent me. Jane took. <laughs> does everybody? Well, I don't know. Our <laughs> listeners probably don't know this. Jane took one of those like there's those there's like iconic imagery around like record companies like Bad Boy. Um, you know, um, Death Row Records with like Suge Knight and like Danny Boy and like Tupac and stuff, and they're all in black with like gold jewelry on, and it's just it's one, it's just great. Look it up. But Jane did one of those images, and she put herself in the center, and she put um, she put uh, Robert Durst in it, Bobby D, as she calls him. She put um, Bobby Blake in it as well. Um, I think you had Orange. Oh, he kills his wife. T- you tell me. Bo- <laughs> um, Robert Blake, he killed his wife too, right? Um, allegedly. And you also put um, Ghislaine in there, your girl Gigi, as you call her. Um, but then when, but then when I bring it up to you, 
mums the word and you don't have that energy that you have more off air when you're talking about your Facebook groups that you've started Justice for Gigi. And it's like, bring it here, girl. Bring it bring it to the floor the same way you do when the cameras aren't rolling. Oh, did you hear by the way, speaking of, did you hear Prince Andrew settled with um In what sense? With you're talking the, about his marriage to Fergie? <laughs> no, I'm talking oh. about his like sexual abuse allegation. Ooh. He, like, the like I think it's like twelve million twelve million pounds. And you know the Queen is footing the bill. He of doesn't have twelve million pounds, but but no, he doesn't. But he, I know Anyways. he was stripped of his royal titles, which I'm sure, you know, had the kids in a tizzy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're probably, you know, they're probably like, and Meghan Markle's over here <laughs> doing whatever she's on. Are you coming after him? <laughs> it's like Meghan Markle's like working so hard to make the world a better place, you fucking motherfuckers. Oh my Anyways, my fir- back to this movie, because we got off track. Um, <laughs> we got the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what? Which we've got off track. We've got an object. That's actually we should rename it. <laughs> or we could like do like a colon like movies we miss colon. We've got enough track. That's it's all great. about the colons with you. Oh my God. <laughs> um. Oh God, that's gonna send me another path. Stop. 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 I want to talk about Jerry Stiller. Jerry showing Stiller looking up, real looking real cute. Jerry Stiller looking, was almost fifty in this movie, which is wild because he looked good. But I always have well, this thing he looked with actors. Good, yeah. Okay. I mean, well, <laughs> he didn't look forty nine. <laughs> I hate you. I, he definitely was dyeing his hair with like very aggressive hair dye. You don't think that and, was natural? It's a natural hair color. Honey, and he was wearing black eyeliner the whole time, which I find found very distracting. Also, Jerry Stiller, famously Jewish, playing an Irish Catholic or Italian Catholic guy in this, which I yeah. thought was very funny. Well, it's also, like okay, <laughs> it's also like that. It's that thing where when you like when you think of actors from like you know an actor you you think of predominantly from like being in their 70s or their 80s. Right. And then you see a movie of them from 20 years ago, and in your mind sometimes, it, like, honey, it plays tricks think, on you. Honey, you think 1976 was 20 years ago? <laughs> that's not... Look, that's not... First of all, that's not... Sweetie! We are living first in a all, dream you're going to need to tone it down with that Roseanne laugh. Because that was legit her laugh from the end of... You know it was. That was her laugh from the end of the opening credits of the first iteration of, the Ro- of Roseanne. Um, I never um, And we'll shit. not have you coming for her. Um, I mean, Shout out to John to, Goodman. She's been saying a lot so, Yeah, someone yeah. needs to come for her. And well, I'm, ABC I hope did. It- <laughs> Johnny G, well, we love you. Uh, we love you, John Goodman. We support you. Don't say anything crazy. So that we keep that shit it. to yourself. I like. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm I keep that shit to yourself. Just means I know you think it, but don't say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. I sometimes when you see actors that you've predominantly seen at the age of like seventy or eighty, you see them yes. like in their forties and fifties, and you're like, oh my god, they look so young. And then you look at me like, oh okay, they were just like fifty four. <laughs> I'm just used to seeing them at like seventy eight. <laughs> so I know. Like, I know. I know. And I've been rewatching old episodes of. Seinfeld too so I've been seeing a lot of Jerry Stiller and he's great in that role just as being like an absolute crazy Frank Costanza it really defined like the that last era of like um 
of jersey. And yeah, I am using the term era, similar to how we use it when we talk about Beyonce's eras. Um, mm-hmm. The Jerry Stiller eras. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was, yeah, that last phase was like his, his I Am Sasha Fierce moment where he was like, mm-hmm. I'm not being... I'm not being held back. We are going to get Festivus on the map. Basically. Exactly. Um, so grab see, your metal poles. Let him know. Um, so yeah, you see that in in the movie. It's like he's young. He's very like he's still got that 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 zest. He's got that that fire that really mm-hmm. was like a defiant. I love I love Jerry Stiller. Jane makes fun of me because I um, I do support um, the King of Queens uh, television show that's no longer the app. I know that Kevin James has been saying some wild shit too. Uh, but my girl, what has he been saying? Oh, I, I mean, lo- I just no, no. I just mean like you know stories about him and his his politics and stuff. And I'm just you know. Oh, I didn't know. I know he's. But- Uber religious and like he oh, weird yeah but anyway um but I just brought that up to say that like Jerry Stiller Patton Oswalt you know Leah Remini they were always mm-hmm. the ones that they kept me coming back but Jerry Stiller was my favorite because he was so chaotic on that show and I love seeing like the the bits of that that his character he plays Carmine Vespucci the brother who is sort of out to get um the Jack Weston um character Jack Weston um plays the, the character Gaetano, uh, Gaetano Proclo. Proclo and he's like out mm-hmm. to get Get him, and he's like this is the blood honey, the blood hungry brother of Vivian, who is Gaetano's wife. Vivian's played by Kay Ballard, who is a really famous like musical theater actress as well. And so it's like a really funny like vibe. The first time I saw this movie to see him in it in that part, it was just like what? Um, yeah, really it, it was unexpected. I didn't know. I knew because when I looked this up, this movie up to stream it, I knew we were getting. <clears throat> The Queen, Rita Moreno, of course. Yes. Googie Gomez. Um, is it actually, is it racist if I do the accent she does? I think that I is, mean, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I I, the accent itself is a little racist, no matter who does it. Yeah, but she's, she's. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Latinx. She has so the she, right to do it. She can would, do it. But I would love to be able to do it because it seems really fun. But if that's racist, I don't want to be doing it. I would love, well, I don't really get to make that decision. We can just, you know. No, we absolutely don't. And also, it's fully racist for me to call doing an accent fun. So, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I'm just I'm just like digging my own hole here. We like to um to check in with ourselves and we roast ourselves mm-hmm. as well in here. Um mm-hmm. but hopefully these are teachable moments. Um but yeah, <laughs> I, I was really I've been very curious because I couldn't find anything I couldn't find anything about Rita Moreno talking about this movie. And there is not a lot online about so this. So I'm movie. really curious how she would look back on it if she felt I'm I'm curious if I mean at this point a Rita Rita Moreno at this point was already like an Oscar winning actress. I'm she was sure, an icon, you know, yeah. She was nominated for a Golden Globe and a BAFTA award for the performance. So I mean it it was celebrated in some sense, but I'm mm-hmm. curious if looking back on it, if she feels like no, I was in the driver's seat, I made those decisions about the character, or if like looking back on it, if she would feel like yeah that director was really awesome shit but also being the fact given the fact that it was uh already a play i wonder if a lot of that was just a characterization that had already been built into the play yeah and she originated the character she originated the part though too yeah so that's what i'm saying so it's like she she had to have some choice part in making that choice also it's like We can't really judge things from 1976 in the same way that we would judge it today, particularly, like, because, like, 
we are looking at this with, you know, a bird's eye view. And I don't even know if that's the right term for this, but we're looking with it, looking at this movie within the context of 2022, whereas this is a movie that was made in 1976. And like for us looking in, it looks like, oh, the comedy of this character is the fact that she has a thick accent and a thick, a thick Latinx accent. I think, I think she says Puerto Rican accent. Um, and to me, that's not a joke because, like, there are plenty of people who talk like that, and that's like oh, no. a totally fine way to speak English. But in this context, in 1976, driven by a Latinx woman who I think is Rita Moreno Puerto Rican, I'm not sure. Um, either way, this felt like good and safe for her to do at the time. So, like, who are we to be like, you know? Yes, she's a Puerto Rican. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so... <laughs> also, um... I, yeah, that's just my, my two cents about that, because it's also, like, it's she definitely... Wa- I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I think it's definitely probably racist for me to do her accent now, but at the time, that doesn't mean what she was doing was, you know... Oh, no, 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 that. not at all. Um, I, I was going to mm-hmm. note that um, Rita Moreno actually won the um, the Tony Award for um, her mm. performance in this in this as well. Um, so, yeah, as everybody, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, um, but yeah, Rita Moreno is a very short list of EGOT recipients. Yeah, um, yeah, that I do know about her. You know, check her credentials because they're stellar. She's for those of you who don't know what an EGOT is, it means you've won an Emmy, an Oscar, a Tony, and a, and, Grammy. And a Grammy, which is like... Yeah. Very difficult to do. I think Whoopi Goldberg is Whoopi Goldberg has it. You know, they're trying to take it away from her right now. So everything going on. Um, But yeah. No comment. Um, (laughs) I would love to go into the beginning of this movie and talk about how when I first watched this, I did not know it was filmed in London. And then I watched it a second time. And they're all sitting around like in the... they're sitting around this room and in the other room is um, the father and the deathbed and the first line is a woman who goes I want to go back to Cleveland in the most insane accent I've ever heard in my life (laughs) and I was like who where are we? Whose accent is that? Is that what I now know is it maybe a British person trying to do an American accent, maybe regionally specific to Cleveland, but it was not successful. That's I was real, like, that's <laughs> real niche. Like you don't really need to be, unless you're, unless you're a seasoned character actress or you grew up in Cleveland, let's not touch it. Let's just try to go full American. Um, but, and then also there's a little British girl too. Who's like, she says something. She's like, I want to go home, Desi or something, whatever. And I'm says, like, can I have some more please? Yeah. That's what it was. Please, uh, I'd like some more. I don't know what she says, um, but it's like, why is there a British child here? It's never addressed. Also, I wanted to point out that um, Rita Moreno, Jack Weston, who plays Gaetano, Gaetano um, Jerry Stiller, who plays Carmine, and F. Murray Abraham, the future Academy Award-winning actor who stars in Amadeus, plays Chris. So all of these actors mm. are playing played their roles in the original production on Broadway, and then they played them in the movie as well. Um, th- those are mainly, those are like our big leads. And then um, the part of Michael Brick, which is played in the movie by um, America's um, Treat Williams of The Substitute fame, um, you know who was originated by 
Who's uh, uh, no? The substitute is it was a it was several movies. It was a te- it was he's a substitute teacher that came out in like the the nineties, and he was like the teacher who shows up at the inner city school, and then like he really goes toe to toe with the kids and stuff. It's got to be a mess now. But when I was a kid, I remember watching those <laughs> movies in like the early nineties, and like he's really that that character that actor looked familiar to me and I was like how where do I if know you look up Treat Williams he's been in a million things um, he yeah, looks so look, different um, yeah than, he looks obviously. entirely different but yeah. the role was originated by um, uh, I can't say America's favorite dad but a dad that America is still very much um, trying to navigate its relationship with um, uh, his name is Stephen Collins um, and he <laughs> originated the part and I guess for whatever reason scheduling conflicts or somebody looking into the future maybe and realizing this wasn't the right choice um, Seven's were, heaven when I when see their happy faces smiling back at me Seven's heaven I know there's no greater feeling than the love of a friend <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> also, like, we're slightly off when we sing together due to the Zoom video, so I really felt like I didn't get a good grasp on that. Is but- there an account for, does the Zoom account for the notes being also disparate from each other? <laughs> Let's say yes okay. for our listeners. Blame it on the Zoom. Um, and so mm-hmm. then we get Carmine being, um, we get Gaetano being taken by a cab driver to the Ritz after he says, you know, I need to get to a place where there's no way he could find me. Um, the last place on earth he'd look. His brother-in-law, he means. Um, so, okay. So Gaetano shows up, right? He's got this pussycat wig on and this mustache. Oh this my wig God. is, this... they didn't even try and find a wig that was going to at least like affix to his head. Like it is like. I understand. Levitating. Shout this out is to a comedy. This is a comedy wig, of course, but it literally looks like a merkin because it's not fit for a head. It's, it's not, not fit for, for a head, not baby. For his dome. Not for his dome. That's gonna go right on top of you know a nineteenth-century London prostitute's vagina. Whoa, sex worker. First of all, okay. I'm just. Ta- I'm. You're right. You're right. You know what? I'm not going to get defensive. You are right. In 19th century London <laughs> sex worker in Whitechapel trying to Why hide... Why do I love getting you so much? <laughs> I don't know. I Seriously, they used to work out in therapy. It's because, Jane, it's because Jane's normally the woke police, so like she catches me... On like everything I say, and then like I'll be like like I'll be like milk, and then she'll be like, um, I'm sorry, I think you mean pasteurized cow water. And I'm like, oh god, has that changed too, Jane? So I take my wins when I can get them. I like how I call them wins. How sick is wins? That? Oh god. <laughs> Look, I'm just trying to keep us as evolved as we can be because we're getting old, you know? Say that um, say that again, but say it in the Googie accent. Because you want it to really bad earlier, remember? <laughs> okay, speaking of woke, Googie comes in and she is chatty, 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 whatever. The very first thing she says, by the way, and she says this so many times throughout the movie, she says the word maricon. Now, <clears throat> I apologize for some people who that word offends. Um, it is, it basically is the F word in Spanish. And she says it every scene. <laughs> Wait, wh- I'm sorry. With the, which one? The, the, the drug, the gay, the, yeah, the derogatory gay oh, term. Okay. Not, f- not fuck. I have no problem saying fuck. Okay. Yeah. 
So you no problem saying the other F word either, baby. I've been using fifteen <laughs> years, and it rolls off that tongue like water. How dare you? I've been called it many a time <laughs> by you. That's context based, and I don't have to um, defend myself. <laughs> she like dives into that water. I don't have to defend myself. <laughs> Anyways, 10 bucks for a room. Honestly, this is such a good deal because you get a room for the night. Yes. For 12 hours, $10, and you get a show. Mama, hold on though, because when you put that in the inflation ca- ca- uh, calculator, it is it oh, comes good out idea. to $50. It's 50 bucks. But honestly, that's still a good deal for a room and a show. No, you're right. And, and that's a good deal. I mean, even if it doesn't include cocktails, although you don't see anybody drinking. And actually, I think in bathhouses today, I don't know, I've never been, bathhouses famously don't allow women. Um, <laughs> Except Bette Midler, apparently. <laughs> well, unless you're performing like a puppet. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't think they sell drinks at bathhouses. What are you doing? You're texting? I wasn't texting. I was looking something up on my phone really quick, but. I know when you're lying to me. <laughs> I was. I was looking something up on my phone. What were you looking up? You're in front of your laptop. Why wouldn't you be looking that up on your laptop? I know I was you were looking texting. Up, I was looking up best friends and I, and with messy <laughs> hair and jewel spots who come for you in the middle of your podcast. Wow. Um, we brought, you brought up the, the jewel spot on mic. That oh, is. I'm so sorry. We did not talk about that on the pod. I'm so sorry. No. That was a pre-conversation. My bad. Let's cut that out. Which is fine. Which is fine because I'm now not it sounds like it's a it. Now it sounds like it's a real thing even though it isn't. Now it sounds like a thing. It's not. We were making fun of the fact that I have a dry patch on the side of my mouth and Tara said, it's oh. It's ma- light psoriasis, I bet. <laughs> or like eczema or something. Dave but just Tara, laughed for some reason. At I that. know. Why was that funny? Light psoriasis was like a knee slapper to him. I get it on my arm sometimes. I get a patch of dry skin on my arm if I'm not using lotion. Honey, in the psoriasis it runs rampant in my family. I'm the only one who doesn't have it really. Well, like, <laughs> but I don't. I. It's, I get this little, it's a small dry patch on my face every winter, and it's usually only lasts like February. We're gonna cut this. We're not gonna put this in the podcast. This is, no one cares about my dry patch. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so the last thing you were talking about that was, what we were talking about that deal that you think it is, $50, and for some reason, and like the $10 in 1976 is a, it's, I mean, it's obviously, I get it. It's like, this is your night. It's like, we're going to go here. We're going to, there's a club. You're going to dance. Uh, you obviously probably have to, I'm sure you have to pay for the food separately. It looks like there's places to eat. Uh, Was there food? Places, we know there's places to eat. <laughs> we do that in those bedrooms. Um, but, um, <laughs> also. You're I talking about was, eating ass. Whoa. Right? Um, oh, I, was I that? wasn't, but I like that you like got gritty with it. Um, what, what, what else would you be? Oh, Dick. God, enough. Cut it. Cut why it. You like, <laughs> why are you like Matron Mama Morton all of a sudden? You're out of control. I don't even um, understand why that reference works. Okay, go. <laughs> she was just grimy and she did what she had to do. Because, you know, she had the girls working. That's Chicago, baby. Um, John Ratzenberger, who played Cliff on Yes! Piers, <laughs> you were out of control. Well, he, I was excited about seeing someone I didn't see. <laughs> he played. He's in the movie. Um, and it's his also, debut. 
It's also this also he, he John Ratzenberger is also Jason Sudeikis' his uncle. So if anybody nope. knew that. Nope, you're thinking about Norm. Norm from Cheers is it's the other guy. This is Cliff from Cheers. Norm is Jason Sudeikis. Oh, just so uncle. we wait, George went. I have yes. always thought that it was that's so interesting because I think that John Ratzenberger looks more like Jason Sudeikis. I think, and I think Unhinged. that's why. Look, no, you're How wrong. Dare you? Look, look at <laughs> look at them side by side. Oh my god. Okay. Really? I don't see it. Okay. All right. Fine. I'm sorry. These tangents are <laughs> wild. Um. So anyway, Ratzenberger, John Ratzenberger, he is in the movie, um, and he is not. He's really picky. Also, he's walking around the bathhouse and he's basically like sizing everybody up. And he, there, the okay. So we find out that like sort of what you say if somebody approaches the room because you have your people have private rooms with keys um that they can go into they also apparently leave their belongings downstairs when they get there like watches and they're they're like i guess more expensive effects because you're yeah, gonna you be sort lock of things up coming in and out of your room and so um but one of the things they say is i'm i'm resting which is really that's if somebody shows up at your door and they're really not the tea for you then you're like oh, i'm resting right now um which means oh, I'm i didn't not pick that up it was I didn't know okay. That. So Paul Price, who plays the role of um, Claude, bless you, Jane just thank sneezed. you. Um, so John, Paul Price, who plays Claude, um, quickly he spots uh, Gaetano. Um, Gaetano is played by Jack Weston, who is like uh, a portly man, um, mm-hmm. and we quickly find out that that is Claude's. That's Claude's thing, and Claude sees him. <laughs> And Claude, um, I mean, dances around violence. And by dances around, I mean just... I mean, no, Claude is sexually assaulting him throughout the whole movie. It is so much. When we first meet Claude, he's like, he's like buying a room for the night. And he's like talking to the front the front desk guy they clearly know each other this is Claude's regular spot mm-hmm. he talks about how he was kicked out of the Antheneum which I'm assuming is another bathhouse because he quote went into one of his frenzies you know how I am and then we proceed to because he's talking about um, a large man in this movie they call him a chubby chaser um i don't think that's the appropriate term anymore maybe fat fetishist is maybe what you would call someone who has a fetish for fat people um he describes a man at the previous bathhouse as the magic mountain and he talks about going into one of his frenzies, which one of his frenzies looks like just constant sexual assault and harassment. Like ravenous. Like, <laughs> it is so wild. And he like, and first of all, Gaetano, as we've explained, he is here merely trying to find a place to sort of lay low and hide um, from his brother, who, brother-in-law who wants to kill him. So He, gets he does there, not know this is a gay bathhouse. Despite every, like, despite the amount of, like, I mean, they're really trying to, they're really banking on this whole premise of, like, him being from Cleveland um, and him not putting they together. They cannot whole, tell us enough that he is from Cleveland. It's like these whole ass pieces. There was actually a quote from uh, Roger Ebert who did not favorably review the film, and I thought it was funny. Roger Ebert <laughs> says, um, 
one of the character's problems, referring to Gaetano's character, one of the character's problems, and it becomes the movie's problem as well, is that he's so unbelievably dumb, so slow to catch on. 45 minutes into the movie, he's still doing incredulous double takes and mouthing forbidden words as he discovers that his fellow patrons are what his fellow patrons are doing in their cubicles. I don't know if we're supposed to identify with his endless state of shock or laugh at it, but after a while, we wish the movie would be funny about something else. I love I the phrase... I love the phrase be funny about something else. Something about that is just like, could you be it's funny shady. about something else? Like, you've been yeah. funny enough about that. Let's move on. We're looking for a little bit of variance. Um, so. I don't necessarily disagree with that. That is true. I'm like, get it. You are in a gay establishment. It's And it's like, he's got these googly eyes and he is just shocked by everything. And it's like, you're like a middle aged man. You have lived in the world, you were in the army. And right, you tell me you don't know about gay stuff, and you were in the army. Oh my god, I was about to say something so inappropriate, and I'm I didn't say. What well, just say it? We'll, we'll, we'll cut, cut it. it out. I was gonna say like you don't know about just spitting on it. Um, <coughs> but um, we're good in that. We're gonna cut it. Um, but um, yeah. So anyway, uh, there is like Gaetano comes in with his wig on, and and Paul Price's character, he plays Claude. He is like I would guess five six, maybe like. 120 pounds soaking wet mm-hmm. and he is like he, he he locks eyes with Gaetano and then Gaetano's trying to get to his room which is like 305 obviously on like the third floor and he's like oh I'll take you to your room and then he like spirits him away to like the fr- they're on the first floor still he gets him into his room and he like closes the door and this guy's trying to get a Gaetano's trying to get away from him and he like mm-hmm. at one point he pulls Gaetano on top of him on the bed and, he, and they're just like writhing Gaetano's trying to get up then the two the two workers who work at the um, establishment they pop in in their you know their Ritz uh, tankies that we got to get Jane one of um, and <laughs> Tiger pull- and Duff my favorite characters Tiger and Duff they pop in and they like pull Gaetano off and they accuse him of like trying to like attack like um, attack Claude which clearly is the opposite of what's happening and um, it is just like and also when he's coming in the the gentleman at the front desk um, they're having the exchange and he basically like you said he 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 basically says I was gonna say alludes but that's not even the right word he basically declares like. I was really out of pocket at the Athenaeum and they kicked me out. But you know how I do. It's like no promise that I'm going to act any different here. But you but know. you know what this is. I brought my Any- all my chaotic energy here for tonight, baby. Anyways, hand over the keys. And like there's like- no point where like the guy at the front desk can maybe be like, well, okay, that gives me pause hearing you say it with such ease and you seem to be unrepentant. So I don't know if we're loving the idea of letting you in here so that you can wreak havoc in our establishment as well. But instead, he gets a shoulder shrug and the door is open for him um <laughs> and he actually what he's what he says is the the um i guess the teller the clerk at the front desk downstairs mm-hmm. he's behind like this piece of bulletproof glass he says don't kick any doors in and then claude says i hope i don't have to it's like, have to like you what are, what are you, you you're essentially letting in like a rapist <laughs> Also, there's a moment at the beginning of the movie when Gaetano first arrives um, and he's wigged up and he's got to pay his um, cab driver who's waiting outside. He doesn't have change. He needs to break change. And he comes in and like he has a check and he's like, can you he asked the teller um, or the clerk, like, can you just 
can you cash this check for me and give me the money and then I can go pay the cab driver the guy really is reluctant to and he says he's begging he's begging him and he's like please please will you please do it and you can hear the cab driver outside honking because the cab driver is waiting on his money and it's raining and so then he says um, if you I believe he says if you give me the money then I will um, I will send flowers to your home and like and send you things he says I will send a novena which I googled. Hold on. What is a novena? <clears throat> Reciting of a set form of prayers for nine consecutive days. Okay, that makes sense because I think novena might derive from the the number nine. Um, in a petition for a divine favor or in preparation for a liturgical test or as participation in an important event such as a year of jubilee. So it seems like he's basically saying, I will send good goodwill upon your upon your home. Basically, if you yeah. do me this solid. And so and then and then the guy he asks him because he's writing down his address, he's like, What's your name? And the gentleman behind the counter, his last name is Lefkowitz. And then he looks <laughs> up and he says, Oh, well, I'll still send it anyway. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, okay, we're getting some racial undertones peppered in there too, I see. Well, some anti-Jewish energy anyways. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> They're really, really trying to drive home the fact that these are Ita- Catholic Italian people and that they want to get back to Cleveland. That's like... And they want to get back to their Catholic Italian world. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so all of this is happening. Then we also... This is around the time we found out about the hourly rentals and um, that you can rent the room in 12-hour stints. You got to at least put down for that 12, though, baby. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also meet the Michael Britt character who's played by the actor Treat Williams. And oh he is... He's a lot. Um, he This Mickey Mouse motherfucker. He literally... He voice? sounds... I don't know why this is a choice. He sounds legit like Mickey Mouse. And he comes in and... Um, He's like a tall, thin, blonde, white man. So I guess the world's definition, white world's definition of attractive. Um, mm-hmm. That's all it really takes. Um, and so he comes in and he's in a suit and he walks up to the counter. And I guess you're expecting like not this voice to come out of him. He looks at the guy and he's like, I want to get a room for tonight. And, literally. Um, that's that literally is how his voice sounds, like. sounds. And that's his voice the whole movie. Um, and, like, I don't understand why that choice was made. It doesn't, yeah, I don't know what it does. All it really does, I guess, is, like, take away credibility, if that's their goal. But I think it also just speaks to, like, we want this to be, like, a noises off style, like, what the butler saw style, like, farce. We want it to be slapstick. Mm-hmm. We want it to be everybody's situation is improbable. And we have, like, Gaetano Proclo is our straight man and it is his view of this world and it is and in order for that to work everybody has to exist on like there can't be another straight man and I think having another like thin uh, white male you know who is by majority of society standards like attractive like in Mm -hmm. this world without having a voice like that either you have to up like you have to up his ineptitude somehow or you have to like yeah, which he's already. I mean, his ineptitude was like inept- yeah, it's already in off place. the charts. <laughs> and there's yeah, it's it's just it's a little distracting, but then you fall into it eventually. But it's just like it's a lot, it's a lot for. And the thing too to keep in mind, like we mentioned Rita Moreno earlier, like her performance in this movie is so big, but it's also mm-hmm. like remembering that it was originally created for the stage, in which case right. everything has to be big. That's how you get it to read. So um, he's a lot, but I'm sure that like in the world of this, and probably I bet toned down a bit from the play i do not believe that this that this voice choice 
I wasn't in the rehearsal rooms. Um, but I don't believe that this <laughs> voice choice was like something. They, it seems to me like it probably was some version of this was established. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure of that. But it is really. But funny I don't though. think it. I, I don't think it works quite as well on the screen as it would work in theater for sure. Yeah. Like, there's no, some like, things where I'm like, it made so much sense to me after finding out that this movie was a play. It made so much, and I was like, oh, okay, because these are such theater shenanigans, and I don't it know. It was. It was it was super fun, but I don't know if they did a great job of adapting the play for the screen. And also, it opened in like seventy five, and this movie came out in seventy six. So it must have been a runaway hit that they were like, yeah. "Let's start production on the movie." Like, well, I saw so they did like, like four hundred performances. Or yeah, like so that. it's like, when did they fit in the filming? Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, also the gentleman at the front, the cashier, he says to Michael Brick really quick, like the detective, when once he arrives, we've got our second like random straight presenting man I guess arriving and he says to him stay out of the steam room and then the brick character goes oh I can take it and it was just <laughs> it's like, like what? I, I bet you can brick uh, yeah, but exactly. the thing is too it's like the second you hear stay out of the steam room you know we're going to the steam room of oh of course come on yeah. um yeah, no, it's um, it's also what other thing that's really funny is that when Proclo checks into the place, he gives them like a, he gives them a fake name, but the name he uses is his brother in law who wants to kill him. He uses his name, which is Carmine Vespucci, to check into the establishment where he wants to be like undercover. It's like, how about we use a Cleveland co worker? I literally have the same fucking note. I was like, you want to be inconspicuous and you use the name of your brother in law who is literally searching to murder you. If if he thinks you might be here, and at this point we don't know that he, the brother-in-law, like made sure that he was brought here. Um, yeah, orchestrated it all. So it's like use like John Smith or like I mean Chris, my favorite character from this whole movie, uses the name Ronald Reagan, which is hilarious. You don't have to put your own name. You know what yeah. I mean? No, but it's, it's unnecessary. Love the Chris character. He was the. To me, the funniest person in this movie. No, he's so much. Chris is so much fun, and like yeah. I said earlier, it's F. Murray Abraham. He won the Oscar for Amadeus. Mm. Um, he's just like a really incredible actor. He's actually on this show called I think called Vision Quest. Um, it's starring Rob McElhaney from um, It's Always Sunny <gasps> in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, I actually watched the first episode of that, and I he's forgot on the to show. go he's, back he's, and watch it. Yeah, he's he's a, he plays a funny part on there too. Um, yeah. He's just like an acclaimed actor. Like he's so, so good. He's so great in this part. Um, he was one of the things that grounded this movie for me because yes. this movie is... there could have been more of him. Actually, I think the movie yeah, would have I agree. from weaving him in more because he really. He was a character, but he understood the world in a way that he wasn't overdoing anything. He was just sort of right. existing in this world um, exactly. and trying to get some and like coming up short. Um, <laughs> I know. Trying to get some from everybody. From every everybody turn. and getting like <laughs> constantly rebuffed. And like there's that moment where like he gets on like he's sort of like the, the person who ends up like guiding Gaetano through this like maze of like rooms and sex acts and all of this and yeah. there's a moment where like they get on the elevator with like that that other guy and he's mm-hmm. like kind of trying to flirt with the guy and like also Chris is like so thirsty he's like trying to flirt so with this guy and the guy says to him oh you're the reason I don't take the subway anymore and, and I, was I was like, like oh, what does that mean 
I guess that like you're like the you're like the scourge of like New York. <laughs> you're a, the reason for the blight of this city. Like it's so rude. Oh my god. It's so it's so mean, but I don't understand really in what way, but I know it's like horribly mean. And I was like also, who the hell are you, sweetie? Yeah, there you seem are. to be a lot. First of all, if this movie, this movie surmised that there are only white gay men in New York Oh, yeah, City. there's no POC <laughs> in this movie. In Rita this Moreno movie. is the sole representation of a person of oh, color. And, and women. <laughs> and, yeah, and women. There is not, uh, there's not a man of color. And I actually thought to myself at one point, like, they would, if a black guy tried to come in here, I'm sure at the front they gate would, there would be, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, sweetie, you have a different bathhouse to go to. Or yeah, and you figure out what that is, separate but equal. <laughs> um, it would have been very that because something tells me that they were not trying to open the doors up to anybody. They were trying to keep it as lily white and rhythmless as they could. <laughs> and you can tell by all the dancing scenes too. <laughs> and we're using the term dancing as loosely as it can be used. Um, those also, it, it was nice to see. I, okay, so it was nice to see a variety of bodies at this place yes, because if sure. this was made today, everyone would have to be an absolute GQ model. And so well, it was. It was a Ryan Murphy joint, God knows. I mean, if it was Ryan Murphy joining, it would be pornography, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, but you know, just, like those seasons of American Horror Story where they like show you all of the men in the cast and it's literally like, it's all like dark haired white men who like with like ice blue eyes, yeah. of, like, you know, like square jawline and like the mm-hmm. same colored eye. And it's just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like at least like just humor us, just pretend that you're more, that you're more <laughs> complex than this. I know. <laughs> and like perform that for us. We don't care if it's performative at this point. Just do it. No, just do it. Um, I love how now we've fu- we've fully taken on the role of, pr- of producers, and we are just yelling out when we want our like our worst moments taken out in order to like protect our images. I'm doing it too. We're both just like cut it. We say like wild stuff, and then we're like, I know. no, don't make me accountable to the world. I know <laughs> this episode has had a f- a surprising number of cut that. I I feel and, like Dave and Tara, like, if they wanted to, I feel like they're just keeping a file with all the things that they cut. And, like, if we divorce either one of them, then they're going to use it <laughs> as leverage in any sort of, like, settlement deal. Oh, my God. If we ever make a dime more than that, I also love gonna settlement be like, deal. I know. As if, like, we're dealing with, like, we're doing, large like, sums properties, of money. Like, multiple homes Estates. and, like, cars. <laughs> You can talk to my Dividing up the estate. Like, it's like. Me hopping on the phone trying to get a hold of, like, Elizabeth Taylor's lawyer. And they're all like, (laughs) deceased. You can find him at the cemetery in in Beverly Hills. How about that? I'm calling up Glenn Lerner in 222-22-22. Glenn Lerner is a lawyer for you. <laughs> that is a local Chicago joke. Oh, um, it is. You guys get it, though. You guys get it. He's a lawyer. He advertises a lot. If you Anyways, know, you know. If you know, did, you know. Did you also uh, peep that when Gaetano comes in? Because this place is like, it also has like red carpeting throughout and the oh walls are red. The doors are like white. I can't believe there's carpeting in this place. It should be rubber floors. Oh, it really should. Um, <laughs> on like the second or third floor, a, a guy is standing. He's leaning over the, the edge, sort of looking down to like the central area of the lobby and he's just screaming out orgy in orgy in 340 in four minutes yep and then there's certain they do this throughout in certain parts of the movie there's a crisco crisco oil party in room 419 at one point chuck 
not invited. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, like, whispers what Chuck did, and but we never find out what it is to, like, get himself not invited. And I'm like, I want to know what Chuck had to do to not be invited to this Crisco oil party. It's this moment. Yeah, it's this moment where Gaetano's in the hallway, and this guy walks by, and he goes, Crisco oil party in, like, room 210. And he's like, we're looking for, you know, Joe, we're looking for Joe. Joe's coming, uh, but Chuck can't come. And then Gaetano says, whoa, what did this guy Chuck do? And then he leans in and whispers something, and then Gaetano goes, oh. And then he walks away, and the first person he bumps into, he says, hey, are you Joe? And he goes, no, I'm Chuck. And then he, like, goes, oh. It's, like, absolute, like, slapstick comedy. There was literally an, a director. The director was just standing on the side pointing at a honey-baked ham and just, like, more of this. <laughs> We need you to ham it up a little bit more, baby. One of the one of the moments that I genuinely laughed out loud, which is like, this is a fucked up joke, and it's like not okay. Laughed really hard when, um, God, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Gaetano's army buddy, who's the fat fetishist, Claude. So Claude is trying to lure. Gaetano out of his room and he like you know those rooms in old timey houses where it's like transom. the door is it's closed a it's called a transom we have yes. my parents have them in their house because their house is old and it's like to let breeze in and out of the room without the door being open and he's throwing candy bars into the transom trying to lure Gaetano out which is like so fucked up, but I laughed so hard at that part because I was like, what does he think this is? Like, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, no. I was going to say, also from like a lo- logistical standpoint, though, I was thinking in that moment, you're right. It's like, oh, that's really messed up. But I was actually <laughs> thinking, if you are if you think that this is going to entice him, then like... It's going to keep you're, him in the room. Well, I was going to say, you're giving it all to him, so he's <laughs> got it, so he's good. Unless what your thought is, oh, this is going to whet his appetite, and if he wants more, <laughs> baby boy's got it down in the room, and he's going to come <laughs> looking for it. Um Fatty's gonna want more. It's also like it's also positing that this man doesn't have like the funds to buy his own treats, which yeah. is really like. <laughs> which I think essentially it's like he's. I, I think he's a mob boss, right? I mean, it's uh, goes without saying. It's like yeah, it goes. Without he works saying. in sanitation. Yeah, they work in sanitation, and like, and they're Italian Americans, so you put the so pieces you together. You put the stereotypes in place. Um, exactly. Also, there's a moment when they when they go in the room, the two gentlemen um tiger and duff when they go in the room to pull him off of claude after claude's like pulled him on top of him and he's like living with all this weight on his body and he's like oh um they're going to pull him off they say what do you think this is a ymca and i don't know why that made me laugh too that's um, so good uh, <laughs> like, that kind of thing flies over there but not here in our establishment not in our carpeted sex lair um yeah and so also there's a moment with the um the gentleman who keeps popping up in the movie who i'm like what's his story the guy in the chaps oh my god i have known about him too he okay there's just this guy who keeps showing up throughout the movie he's in leather chaps he is wearing pants like underwear underneath them so you don't yeah. get the, the ass cheek realness but he is wearing assless chaps and he just 
pops up everywhere. He's always witnessing things, but he has zero lines, right? He doesn't and say you anything. Know, you know he's not an actor. Like No! He, he's like, it's like he was just in the right place at the right time and he fit the chaps. And they were like, Exactly. But in, like he pops up in any sort of group scene or whatever. He's always like leering from like, and it's also like, what's your point of view? Like he in the first scene, he seems to be a little bit like suspicious of like, Gaetano and Gaetano's like motives but then throughout the whole movie that's literally his only face so every scene that he's in even if it's like a happy or a joyous scene he's still in the corner sort of like seething and it's like he's just watching what's like pick an arc though for your character like what are you doing because you've been frowning the whole time you got he's the getting, on are you getting he's into getting it or what $50 a day and he, to yeah. show up and like look and confuse the audience oh my god and he succeeds um, yeah also, we mentioned earlier Rita Moreno's character. She is like the queen. Googie Gomez. She at Googie Gomez. She has her show that she puts on, and like so, we've got Gaetano at the center of this. We have Claude, who we mentioned earlier, who's obsessed with um, Gaetano, and then we have Rita Moreno's Googie, who also is obsessed with Gaetano because she thinks that he's a big producer that's going to put her on, and so mm-hmm. she is really. So we've got these two people who want Gaetano, and then we have like one of the one of the many problematic aspects of the movie. Um, <laughs> in the fact that like at some point and mm. I'm trash because I don't remember when it happened specifically but at some point Gaetano gets the idea that Googie is is what like I think okay so people think that within this movie people keep referring to using the outdated term transvestite when they're talking about Googie what I think they're trying to say is they think Googie is a drag queen I don't think they're trying to say that they think Googie is trans I think that they are under the impression that she's I think a you're drag right queen. I think they think that she's a drag queen and I think that they mm-hmm. think that she's putting on like a drag performance there um, and so, but it's like, it causes, like, there's a lot of, like, problematic language. <laughs> yeah, being thrown around. So we've got a lot of problematic things happening. So yeah. one problematic thing we have happening is, like, obviously what we just said, which is, like, Gaetano is, like, really, like, okay. So to get really, really wokey here. So there's um, there's a couple of things that are happening that are, like, not the best. So we've got, like, mm-hmm. Gaetano, who thinks that... Um, who thinks that Googie is a, a drag queen, drag performer, and so keeps referring to her in language that, like, isn't great, um, keeps referring <laughs> to her as a he and a mister, um, which is awful, um, and it's and I think it's it, even at some point he even says, ew. <laughs> yes. So we've got all of that. And then we also have, to a less degree, but also still problematic, we have Googie, who, like, isn't like getting enthusiastic consent um, from our (laughs) Gaetano and like she is like trying to close this deal. We're looking at all this through the lens of the 1970s and like Uh we understand like this world but like this Gaetano character is being like pawed at by everyone and like nobody's here for the boundaries. Um, no. <laughs> and so... Nobody's uh, here for the boundaries. It's a lot. I do want to point out one of the... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was going to point out. One of the moments in the movie, though, that I think was really surprising and actually one of those moments I was like, okay, good for you. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So even to try and explain this, this is going to take a second. So... Okay. We have... So we have... Uh, 
<laughs> so we have Carmine showing up now, okay? Carmine has, has merely, he has his detective, Michael Brick, who he has sent ahead of him to locate Gaetano. He wants Gaetano killed. So uh, Brick is not a good detective. Brick is, <laughs> no, Gaetano is walking by Brick the whole movie. And one thing that was funny was when Brick's on the phone, he says at one point, you gave me his description. I can't locate him. You told me that he was balding. You said he was a balding, like, heavy set man, and I can't locate him. And my first thought was, you're going to tell me, first of all, there's not one balding, heavy set man in this place, because we all know that's a lie. Um, also, Gaetano is walking by you left and right. He is balding, he is fat, and he is... But he's got the- that wig on, and they're trying to make us believe that this wig sitting atop his head <laughs> is enough to confuse this detective so that he doesn't clock him as being, like, the person Who- that he's supposed to be. Who's a paid detective who is employed in this field? He can't spot a fucking wig that he bad. Can't put the pieces together. So that's no. that's what's happening. So then when Carmine shows up and he decides he's gonna sort of take this into his own hands, then we have this like we have this moment where it's all the humor comes from the confusion. So we have Carmine who then locates Chris, who's the F. Murray Abraham character, who is a gay man who is just at the bathhouse. And Carmine is in a room. And when Carmine was on the phone with Brick earlier, he said they came up with this system, I think, for knocking. So so um, Chris is like walking by the room. Carmine's in the room, ready to kill his brother-in-law. And Chris just knocks on the door. He happens to knock on the door in the way that Brick and Carmine decide it was going to be like the way that they differentiate each other. So then these two are in one room and then we've got Brick in the other room with Gaetano thinking that Gaetano is Vespucci because that's the name that he's been telling people and he's been going by. So he pulls him in. So now we have this comedy of errors situation where we've got both of them in the room with the wrong person and it creates like this like this nonsensical moment. And then there's like... That's sort of like the climax of... It's sort of like the climax of the movie. And it ends Mm -hmm. ultimately with like Carmine, our bad guy, being knocked over the head accidentally because Brick thinks he's the guy that he's been brought there to capture. And they end up handcuffing him to a bed. And then um, someone pulls out a camera to take a photo of him that they're going to use as like a blackmail because they've got this photo of their guy who's not actually their guy, but they think is their guy. They've got this photo of him and they're going to use it as blackmail. It's a photo of him in... In, like a gay men's bathhouse and Rita Moreno so that he can't take over the the company the family so company. that he can't take over the company which is really part of Carmine's goal was like I want you the cab driver who he paid off to get him to this bathhouse then I want photos to be taken of him mm-hmm. so that I threaten to show them to my sister his wife and like ruin his reputation basically and that's going to be the leverage that I have to like get what I want out of him so right. that's sort of like the premise but Rita Moreno sees all of this happen and she she takes the camera and she rips the film out of the camera, which I thought was like, what a moment. Because yeah. it's a moment where she basically says, no, like, regardless of who this guy is or what he did, like, you, I'm not going to let you use his sexuality as like, as like a tool against him. against him. And I thought, oh, they like that they slipped this little moment in and all this problematic nonsense. They got in like a real moment, uh, which I was like, props, props for putting that in at least, you know, in 1970. Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. I was like, that was a really nice moment, even though, like, you're not on Jerry Stiller character's side. What's his name? Carmen. Carmine. Carmine Vespucci. You're not on his side. You don't want him to win because he's killing Gaetano. But, like, 
it was it was one of those nice moments where you're like, this is actually like a little bit uh, breaking the fourth wall in in a in a it's sort of a wink to the audience, being like, hey. This should be a safe space for gay men to do what they want to do and seek out who they want to seek out. Let's not ruin that for anybody, regardless of who they are and what they've done. And I thought that was really nice, too. And I I did write that down. Um, mm-hmm. And then also early in the movie, when Claude is sort of coming after Gaetano, Gaetano has this moment almost to himself, like an aside where he's like, oh, my God, the last time I you know, dealt with something like this was this guy, you know, when I was in the army named Claude. And like later on, we find out that this is the same Claude from when he was in the army who was <laughs> really trying to, like, get it in. And it's just like, wow. And Gaetano goes, oh, that really is Claude. I wish she was dead why can't he be dead which is (laughs) not cool (laughs) also he says earlier in the movie as he's talking to himself when he's trying he's like oh my god he reminds me of this guy claw that i used to be in the army with oh he's probably dead by now and i thought why you're like 40 years old like why do you (laughs) think that he's deceased and then we find out later that he's been wishing for it and apparently sent out a novena um in the hopes that the novena would send down the ghost to take him out um Exactly. And it's like, I can't, I mean, I sort of, it's like, I can't tell if that joke is because he's like afraid of being sexually assaulted by Claude or because Claude is a homosexual. I think it's probably the latter, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that another guy. Yeah, exactly. Or I don't know, because it's like the sexual assault seems to be like kind of, you know. Running uh, gag. Yeah, running gag. So who knows? I mean, it's not great either way. <laughs> also, Chris, um, the F. Murray Abraham character that we were talking about, who's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's Chris is here to like get it in. Also, Chris has like the most fabulous room of anyone. And oh it's my god, like, it's so. But good. it's like, did you bring this stuff with you? Because no, Chris because we saw is- him check in. He had like a bike, and that was it. With unless, him. unless Chris is like renting a space or something. But Chris's room is like lined with like. It's like crimson fabric, like draped <laughs> along the walls. He's got like almost this canopy situation happening with that same fabric above his bed. He's got candles lit. He's got a whole moon. Well, you know your people love an interior moment. We, we do. We do. And so it shouldn't be <laughs> that surprising. But I did see it and I was like, this is the room you want to be in. You want to be kicking with Chris. You um, do. I mean, even Chris was having... more than a kicking. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I, even if you don't want to fuck Chris, it would be fun to like have a glass of champagne in there and just like chat because everything else seems seems like it you know probably smells bad oh, well, all in all the other rooms are so stark and brightly lit that like chris's yeah. room would be like a haven which is probably what chris is banking on because chris is clearly trying to get it in and there's also like and i don't know why chris can't i don't i don't know why I don't chris get it can't either. get it in he's, a cutie. he's hot he's like first of all he's got i mean he's got those washboard abs we've been talking he's got those abs board. he's got that he's got that that long thick um cat steven style tendrils curly cues he's got and- these curly moment and he's got he does have a big schnoz which i think a big schnoz is very attractive i love, I love a big i nose love thing, so. a big fat nose and he's got it i think he's cute i wish i wish the best for chris it's probably tonight's not his night but i hope he does well, well let's just keep him alive tonight is really what yeah. after um also when gaetano divulges to chris fairly early on in the movie like his situation and the fact that like he has a brother-in-law who's like who he who he knows is trying to kill him chris 
doesn't bat an eye. Like, as a mm-hmm. character, he just keeps, like, they're walking and he tells him and he's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he throws out, like, a sassy one-liner and then, like, <laughs> opens the door. It's like, why are you not shocked by this? A stranger this... told you that, <laughs> did you notice that? Yes, this has to be more of a reaction. I like, totally did. It was like nothing for him. He was like, it sounds like another Friday to me, baby. <laughs> Honey, you wouldn't believe what I've seen around here. <laughs> Which I guess is maybe what he's getting at. Like, who, yeah. who doesn't have a brother-in-law who wants him dead, baby? <laughs> that actually is like too dark. It was like... And also they go also they go downstairs, which is like the downstairs area, which is where the stage is, where we have um Googie getting it in, Mama's performing, and then mm-hmm. we have doors that lead to a steam room, and then we have like kind of like a discotheque style moment where like there's a little bit of a dance floor, and then we've got like mm-hmm. there's a game area. But Chris is like at this point, Chris sort of is like, okay, I need Chris is like sweet and like listening, but then also Chris is here to get the D. So Chris is like, okay. <laughs> We'll pick this up later. I'm heading into the steam room. And, like, it's clear that Chris is going in there to put in some work. And he says, and he basically says, like, you know, you don't want to come in here. Like, you're a straight man on the run from, like, your brother-in-law who wants to kill you. Like, go busy yourself in other places. And Chris goes into the steam room. And even after getting a whole-ass warning from multiple people, Gaetano still takes his ass in the steam room. And and he comes out and he's a nerve to have his mouth agape. And it's like, first of all, this happened so early in the film. And we still spend the rest of the movie befuddled by homosexuals and by the homosexual activity that's happening. It's like, I know what you saw when you walked in that steam room. I know, okay? And it's not that surprising, too. It's no, like, it's not. You knew what was going to happen. You you know what goes on here. You know where you are. Let, let them be. You're in their space, baby. And he's you know, shocked. He comes out and he's like, <laughs> what? And then, like, a scene later, he sees, like, a gay guy, like, touch another gay guy's butt. And he's like, what? It's like, what? That fucking that you just saw in the stream room didn't do it for you? <laughs> like, Gaetano, nobody needs you here. Yeah, we don't need you here judging, okay? Because no. gays can take can do plenty of that on their own. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> nobody can nobody can look you up and down like a mean gay. Um, <laughs> oh my God. And Jane's still my friend. <laughs> I was I've had gonna, that happen to me by a lot of mean gays. I was gonna pull out my enough wig actually for tonight, but I forgot. Um, but I was oh, gonna give it to you because it gave me a little bit of Gaetano tease. Um, I know. Well, you'd have to give it a little trim though. I think. Yeah, Oof, I'm not willing to do that. I'd no, like you should leave it in mint condition. You know. Yeah. No. Okay. I want to leave it pristine and in the um, the case <laughs> that I was provided um, by the plastic bag. <laughs> How dare, how dare you? No, I was writing the case by the um, the Academy of Motion Pictures um, mm-hmm. that they okay. wanted me to preserve it as uh, cinematic adjacent um, history mm-hmm. from an iconic podcast. Um, <laughs> also, the other thing with Claude, so there are moments where you're like, okay, he's a little overzealous. Um, there's a moment where Claude, because to get away from him, Gaetano like, says, I'm going to be in my room, like, you know, low-key, like, don't worry about me. And he gets out secretly. And Claude, he comes up. Claude's at the door. Claude takes a fire axe from a glass <laughs> oh case. Oh, my God. And he hacks the door down. It's like this is wild you have committed so many crimes tonight sir like you hacked his door down with a fire axe no, Brandon, sir. he's just in one of his frenzies what are you gonna do you know and i don't like us excusing this by giving it like just the no. word frenzy you do not get to attack somebody and then just be like just one of those days 
<laughs> and like stay in the fucking hotel because it's like you should be kicked out you have literally violated someone's privacy so aggressively that they have no door you've damaged property like the police should be caught i mean look i'm not a big proponent of calling police yeah, you but are. <laughs> well when i have my karen wig on i am um you called the police on me before <laughs> well, I didn't know who you were. Jane, you invited me to your house, <laughs> and you wouldn't let me in, and then you called the police, and you said that you got, like, what did you say? There was some, quote-unquote, dark energy in your front yard, and, and you I was they could take care of it. Brandon, I was standing my ground, and that's within my legal right, you know? Is that why you were holding that musket? <laughs> I never asked. I have a live musket <laughs> sitting above my fire. Live musket sounds so I sexual. I don't even know what a live musket is. I've got a live musket. Are you I've got over? a I've got a live musket right over my fireplace, sweetie. Let's lay down the bearskin rug and see what it can do. Jane. I had someone tell me that they think I should be a phone sex operator before. I could see that for you. But once again, you got to just go with it, Jane. You can't be in there trying to, like, correct their politics. <laughs> I would be the... I would make nobody be the most annoying oh, phone God. sex operator. I'd be like, yeah, you think- actually, actually, Daddy, we don't call it that anymore, okay? <laughs> hey, Papa Bear. Just so you know, words like tits can be seen as offensive. I think breasts or mammaries is really where you want to go with that, just to stay on the safe side of things. So let's go back to it. You were drumming on my mammaries? Um, I think this is the perfect time for a segue where we bring in some critical queer theory. Mmm... Ooh, I know you're going to mm-hmm. love hearing all about intersectionality. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, Have you ever heard of Audre Lorde? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you get. We got it all figured out. We just have to get our phone sex line up. It's all woke phone sex. It's um, just like, let me give you homework. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you some think pieces. Oh, I know you're gonna love hearing about all of that. Yeah. I'm gonna need you to open up Google Chrome and type in Angela Davis. Oh, baby, I'm going to have fun explaining to you that we need to get rid of the filibuster. Oh. I can, Dave hates this so much. I can, I can see him literally like losing his I messed his it up. Shit. I should have said, oh, you're going to filibuster all over my chest. Um, so we've had our masterpiece theater for today. Also, at one point in my notes, I just wrote so much problematic talk. So I don't know what was, I don't know. It was probably referring to the end when Jerry Stiller was screaming, those crazy fairies, they molested my sister. It's like so many words. Um, So many words. Also, at one point, I just literally wrote down, this place looks fun. Everybody was having a good time, and I was like, they're living their best life. I mean, I know I'm not invited unless I'm, like, cleaning the floors or something, I'm sure. But, um... 
At one point I wrote, kiss him, kiss your brother-in-law. I don't know what I was referring to. Oh, it was at the end of the movie when, like, the guys are at the end of the movie when they have their big, like, showdown. And, Mm. like, all's revealed. Okay, so Kay Ballard shows up. Kay Ballard plays Vivian. She (laughs) is the sister of Carmine, the wife of Gaetano. She shows up and she's dressed, she's dragged up in, like, I guess boy drag. And she's got, like, this, like, she's having a Carmen Sandiego moment. She's got, like, a fedora on and, like, she's swimming in somebody's trench coat that she's she's found. And she shows up and first... Claude Claude clocks her downstairs and she is fitting the description of everything that Claude's into apparently so Claude <laughs> once again is allowed to assault a second person by bringing mm-hmm. them she says like I my room is like room number three something and he's like oh it's right down here so he takes her down the hallway to his room that's his in. move he loves that move that's his it's move actually, it's actually it's it's legally it's called kidnapping yeah absolutely it is he gets her in the room he takes the light bulb out and then we hear this scream and she's apparently like fainted just from everything happening because she's a good woman from Cleveland even in a mob family which probably means that she's I know than any of these dudes but <laughs> um she is faints on the floor and then like Carmine's on just shooting up the place he's running around shooting Lucy Goosey at one point at one point I wrote Carmine must have unlimited bullets because he has shot way more than six rounds we haven't seen any we haven't seen him pull out like we haven't seen him do do a full-on um, reload. Um, yeah. Both of us, neither one of us getting it right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gun... Gun knowledge isn't... We're isn't gun heads, forte. obviously. We're gun heads. We're the bullets, baby. Um, Ooh, with a live musket, you gotta pour in your own powder. <laughs> somebody, somebody can fill my musket with that with that liquid bullet. Is that what, what? No! Is that what it is? What is a liquid bullet? Isn't it like the stuff they pour in the musket? No, I was talking about gunpowder. Oh, do they just pour it in like raw? Like without doing anything with it? You put in a bullet, which is like a ball, and then you pour in the gunpowder, and then you stuff it down with like a Dave stick. Dave is screaming no from the other room. Ugh. And then but My when I description him, is right, Dave. But when I call him a bro, he's like, I'm not a bro. But then anytime some bro <laughs> shit comes up, Dave's like, no, this is how you, this is how you skin a bear. It's like, where did that you come from, sir? Dave, okay, first of all, Dave is the bro, the the bro of our friend group. Oh, absolutely. 100%. 100%. 100%. And yes. he has to know that. But well, also, Dave, Dave is bro one, Tara is bro two. They are both. Yes, that's true. They are the they're, two that you want. When, some, when things have to get done. Okay, Dave goes, bro. why would you? Why would you put the powder in front of the bullet? I'm not... I I said you put the bullet in and then the powder. Didn't I? It doesn't matter. I just meant that, like... Whatever. Dave's just so disrespectful. Um, we're going to do some of our bullet homework, and then we'll get back to you. Apparently, you did better than me because liquid bullets aren't a thing. So, I've never um, heard... What is that, mercury? I don't know what a liquid bullet is. Oh, we got a... We got our, we got a curie head on our hands. <laughs> Dave um, is getting so mad. This he is like, is. <laughs> we are famously unknowledgeable. So, so we have so Jerry. So we have Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller is he's they they like handcuff him to a bed, but then he gets loose. But he's carrying around the section of the bed that he was handcuffed to. So it's like this hula hoop, like this metal hula hoop, basically. Oh he's God. carrying around, just shooting the place up. 
Um, and then we he runs into his sister, who's dressed up in full Dick Tracy uh, fantasy. And he <laughs> they and then they go looking for Carmine. They find Carmine, who's now in drag as one of the Andrews sisters, trying to because because Claude offered him this costume basically as a means for like trying to get out of this place and stay alive and not get killed by Carmine. Let's put you in this drag moment real quick. Um, and uh, so they're all dressed up like the Andrews sisters. Claude's outfit is correct. Let's just put it out there. Claude's wig is on point. Claude's got the full... He's living the Andrew Sisters fantasy. That Veronica Lake hair is amazing. Um, And then we've got Gaetano, who's on the struggle bus. And (laughs) Gaetano, um, who has lipstick all over the lower half of his face. It's too much. (laughs) Um, Also, Gaetano hides inside of a jukebox at one point. Um, It is so... Tara Tara, Tara goes, that's a great hiding space. (laughs) I was like, okay, babe. Um, Also, another Tara quote from this movie is when she saw Claude running around in in the white and red. Uh, He's wearing like a red um, red bath... Uh, bathrobe Rope. and like mm-hmm. white underneath. Tara goes, he looks like little orphan Annie. <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard when she said that. It's so true. There was like a lot of like at the end there's a lot of hijinks and the end happens quickly. Like Carmine's yeah, running around with this gun. Um, movie's only uh, 90 minutes by the way. Claude's running around. Yeah. Um, Carmine's running around with the gun. We finally get the moment where um, oh, oh, also Gaetano's wearing oh, okay. So when, so when Claude makes uh, when Claude causes our um, Vivian, played by Kay Ballard, when she faints in his room after he turns the light out and I guess tries to attack her, um, he ends up like running off at realizing like that this isn't what he wants. Um, but when he runs off, he also opens up her bag that she has, which has her full length fur in it. And he takes her <laughs> fur and he steals it. And so us gays, just Steven. So he steals her fur and he's like, I guess he's like, I can use this better than you can, mama. So he takes her fur. So now he gives it to Gaetano to use for his disguise later in the movie. And then like, this Carmine... gave me this gave me birdcage vibes. Yes, I agree. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the level of hijinks. Yeah, and then there's like so then Carmine is sort of like, ooh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna expose because now we've got Gaetano in drag. So Carmine's mm-hmm. like, now I'm gonna expose to my sister who she's really married to, and she's like just like she's just living in the world of histrionics. It is like she's everything she's saying is indiscernible. She is she's more high pitched than um, our Michael Brick detective. She's really high up in her vocal register and she can't only can be heard by dogs. Any of it. And what we find out is that this is when we sort of find out that Carmine set this whole thing up. We find out like she finds out because the woman, the only other woman in the movie who is the accountant who works here, she walks out. She walks up to Carmine and she goes, hey, boss, here you go. And she hands him invoices. And then they we realize that he owns the Ritz. They like the, mm-hmm. the the Vespucci family. They're in the waste management business, but they also like own establishments and they own this. You got to diversify. Also, yeah. the entire movie, Carmine has been like repulsed at the sight of gay people throughout this entire movie, and it's like, and you're benefiting off of them, and so it's just like. What in the Reagan's going on? So, he, so we see all this happening, and then. Um, and then we find this out. And then we find out that, like, Carmine had his driver 
one of his cab drivers bring because the cab company that brought Gaetano here is owned by the Vespucci's as well. So it's all revealed that this was all just a big setup. And then like Vivian, the sister is like, you two need to just make up so we can move on. And it's like, first of all, no, we're not making up. Okay. There's no making up after someone puts a hit out on you. (laughs) And then, and and then they're like, and she's like, you two need to hug and kiss and make up. And then like all of the gay men in the crowd of people are just screaming, kiss, kiss our brother-in-law. Oh, yeah, like, that's what are y'all trying? Trying, what fantasy are y'all trying to live through I know um, save and, it for uh, Pornhub boys <laughs> right this is before Pornhub Jane this was the Pornhub um, so they're trying to get these two to kiss and they end up just punching each other in the stomach because you know they're straight and that's how they solve problems and it's just it works right violence cool <laughs> so then we get that then I mean at the end of the movie essentially like Carmine's being arrested although I feel like is Carmine Okay, so Carmine's being arrested. Carmine's in full drag at this point, like, unwillingly, because they pick Carmine up and they take him to, like, another room. And then we see him being arrested. And, like, is he being arrested for being, like, a gay person in drag? No, no. Or was he being arrested for the fact that he was shooting this place up? I think he's being arrested for the fact that he's... Okay, I wasn't sure, like, from the optics of that moment. I was like, oh, this isn't great. I don't um, think in 1976 you could be arrested for being in drag in New York City anymore. Okay, so... I think that was something that... Well, I don't know when it got... Um, when that law got eradicated, but it was... I feel like um, the first gay pride parade was in 1971, maybe? Oh, God, I'm just, like, saying. But I feel like in that... Then he was probably being arrested for, like, what he should be being arrested for, which was the fact that he's literally just... He lit this place up tonight. Like, he has just been... I don't know how nobody's dead. We actually don't know. Maybe there was a dead person we didn't see. But he's just shooting this place up, all trying to get his hands on Gaetano. And it Mm -hmm. is wild. And, like, I mean, all because he wants to control the family business. But, you know, they end up leaving together and, you know, all's well that ends well. Mm-hmm. I think he goes back to Cleveland. Sorry. The first gay pride parade was in 1970. My bad. Oh, you almost got it right. Stonewall is 69, I'm pretty sure. I think and so. And I think pride was the year afterwards. Um, although some people say that the first gay pride parade was the riot, the small riot. So um, either way. Anyways. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, Jane, I have a question for you. Yes. I'm you, waiting for watch, it. Would you watch The Ritz again? You know what? <laughs> I actually had to think about this one because I would probably not watch it again because I've seen it and it was yeah. super fun and I've seen it twice um, and I really enjoyed watching it. But that was enough for me, you know. I I would recommend. I, I'm not not recommending this movie to our audience. I do think you guys should watch this movie because it's super fun and ridiculous. But I didn't. I don't need to see it more than once. And it's like a part. It's like a. It's a. It's a part of queer like cinematic history that like we like I think Dave was actually the one who told me about it and we watched it like a year or two years ago and I was like this movie's so fun it's so it's just so reverent and it's like yeah so random it's and that was so random so and random. so and we love just centering like queer stories like of in, course. in the podcast of course and so yeah you know so, who would watch this movie again Tara my wife okay maybe me and Tia she, lo- she, she loved it I loved it too but she was like it, it 
you could she couldn't have had a better time. You know oh, what I mean? that makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah. So it was good. We we both enjoyed it. I and I do recommend again that people watch this movie. Okay. Um, I have a one more question for you. Ooh. Um, <laughs> there was a rumor going around that you maybe had a movie that you wanted me to watch for next week. Oh, I do. And this is a good, healthy rumor that um, turns out to be true. Oh. Um, yeah, I do have a movie for you to watch this week. And <clears throat> it's time. <laughs> it's time again. I've counted the months in between. We're good. It's going to be about a six month in between. And we are going to do the third Twilight movie. Oh, God. <laughs> called Twilight Eclipse. And you are going to be on another journey with Edward and Bella. And I. You're going to love it. <laughs> like, the thing is, I can't wait for it to be over so you can't hold these movies over my head. <laughs> Because you know what? I like it's it's my fear every time. And <laughs> it is, you know, we're one step closer to to coming full circle with that journey. So um, we are we are bring it on, world. <laughs> Get them out of the way. I you, we are going to return to Becky with the good blood. I thought you were gonna say I, I actually thought you were about to say um that we were gonna watch Fast and Furious 2. I really did. When you said no. But, I mean, we have started some other series that we will get to. Well, we got of ten of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are certainly going to finish the series that we've started. But Twilight is really the one that I'm gunning to finish. Because, A, every time we do a Twilight episode, hello, listeners, you fucking love it. Everyone listens. It, they are popular episodes. That's a good point. So I love those. I love doing And I those. love this story, too. And I love these characters. Yeah, you are famously huge, huge Edward and Bella fan. I'm a twihead, yeah. Twi twi hard, I think is what it. Oh, ooh, okay. Yeah. So I'm excited. Um, I'm a you know, and twi hard with twi hard with indifference. Is that what? It, that was <laughs> yeah. If that Instead exists. of like Die Hard with a Vengeance, I tried something. It didn't. Work. Oh, oh, oh! That was good. That was good. Now that I understand, it, it was good. And the Can best, the best jokes enjoy. have to be explained. To me. No, I mean, well, <laughs> I'm a smart, smart person, but yeah. Anyways, we want to thank you guys for listening to us talk about the Ritz. It was super fun. You guys should check it out. Um, if you want to be in conversation with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Movies We Missed and on Twitter at MWM Chat. And we cannot wait to see you next week for twilight eclipse so thank you guys bye 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 live musket right over my fireplace sweetie let's lay down the bearskin rug and see what it can do